This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Some of the best in the world and the richest and most famous players are really kind of embracing, um, you know, access. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Fonseca, Editor-in-Chief over at GolfUnfiltered.com. Follow me on Twitter, at GolfUnfiltered. Send me an email, Adam at GolfUnfiltered.com. Uh, very happy to welcome our guest this week, uh, Mr. Brendan Porath of uh, SBNation.com. Brendan, how are you today? I'm doing well, Adam. Good to good to talk to you, man. Yeah, good to talk to you as well. Uh, listeners, uh, it, we've kind of been on a trend lately where we've talked a lot about golf equipment. And uh, Brendan, it's been a while since we've actually spoken about PGA Tour stuff on this podcast. So this is a breath of fresh air in a way. Uh, so I appreciate <laughs> you being able to do it. Yeah, you start uh, throwing equipment questions at me. I'm not going to be of much use. I'm uh, <laughs> definitely not an expert there. I, I have a kind of tangentially followed, you know, followed on the periphery, but I, that's not my expertise. I'm happy to talk to her though and, and fire off some takes. Awesome. We'll, we'll definitely get into that. Uh, but Brendan, before we get going, why don't you let our listeners know a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what you do over at SB Nation? Sure, sure. Um, well, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. I live in just outside Washington, D.C. now. Uh, I'm an old man living in the burbs now with a wife and kids. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I've been at SB Nation now for a little over five years, kind of doing everything. Uh, I've done everything there, but uh, mostly primarily golf now and, and have been for the last couple of years. Um, I edit edit the golf section there. I, I help edit with some other stuff, other sports, but uh, it's it's mostly just editing and writing around golf and you know planning out our coverage. Um, you know, we're not just a golf only site, but you know that's all I basically do at this point. So, you know, it's, as the company's grown and expanded, there's been kind of a little more opportunities here and travel, get on the road, go to some of these majors, some of these big events, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity. You know, we just follow. You kind of made that clear at the beginning. It's really just coverage of the pros. Like we would, well, like we cover the NBA or, or college football or whatever. It's, it's coverage of, you know, the best players, not really travel or, or equipment and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's writing in a fun and, well, writing video, whatever, in a kind of more lighthearted and, and fun way. You know, we'll get serious when we need to, but also kind of just a, a digital approach to covering the tours. And listeners, I actually, uh, for a brief time, worked for Brendan <laughs> over at SB Nation. <laughs> I, I, I think it was pretty brief. But, uh, you know, I uh, probably the last time I actually, you know, wrote about PGA Tour news stuff was when I wrote over at SB Nation. And, and Brendan, you, you guys and your team have been doing a great job uh, ever since. And, and, you know, you continue to, uh, you know, offer just a, a fresh perspective on some of the things that are happening on tour. And, you know, I've been reading and playing, uh, paying close attention to everything that you guys have been writing, specifically yourself, about, you know, just everything that's going on about Tiger. And, you know, obviously, Tiger Woods is still, 
for some well i was gonna say for some reason still moves the needle in golf world but let's face it i mean he's what the casual fan of the pga tour uh still uh, pay attention to um you know uh, Brendan, you got to help me out here. Like, how how should I be a fan of Tiger Woods at this point? I mean, <laughs> like I don't even know what to expect from this guy. Uh, he, he's he's just not playing anymore. And what advice would you have for a guy that you know is a, is a longtime Tiger fan? Uh, that's a, I think that's an interesting way to put it. How to be a fan of him? Because um, it's really really depressing <laughs> to watch him play. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not even if you're a fan or hater or whatever you know whatever you think of him it's just generally not enjoyable to watch him play golf or watch him kind of slog through rounds right now and i kind of didn't expect us to get to that point so fast in this comeback after being away for whatever it was 17 months right um so i think you know how to be a fan is is more just appreciate what what he's done and what his past greatness and try to just understand here we're in kind of phase two or the sunset phase here um same way you're a fan of michael jordan same way you're a fan of, of guys that <laughs> maybe can't get it done or, or federer ideally he could you know be federer that's kind of like the model of, of what he could become here in this last you know maybe it's a year of his career maybe it's 10 years whatever it is like federer is the model right right so i mean it's just kind of to be a fan you just appreciate everything he's done and i think the, the these struggles and how it's gotten so ugly kind of force us to look back uh, a little bit more than and sooner than we wanted to, you know. So I think there's a little bit more of that retrospective view going on here uh, to kind of remind us why we love this guy and why he transcended the game and why he is that that overwhelming force that you described at the beginning, where he kind of whether he's T58 or missed cut or WD, he's still the leading story. Um, so I think that's kind of the way you have to do it, right? You just kind of appreciate what's been done and, and, and seeing him so vulnerable and so shitty, for lack of a better word right now, right. Um, kind of forces you to do that maybe sooner than we wanted. Definitely sooner than we wanted. And, and you even mentioned, and I agree with, you know, all of this just seems to have happened so quickly so quickly and you know I, I i feel that because he is such a an overpowering force still even today even not playing well uh you know folks like yourself and and me to a point even though i focus more on on equipment and other golf related things on the site you know we we still have to kind of come up with ways to talk about this guy and you know obviously you can look back on all the great things that he's done in his career greatest golfer of our generation any you know uh, way you want to describe that but does it ever get stale now these these days uh does it ever get to the point of all right well we gotta we gotta talk about tiger again but there really isn't anything to talk about other than what he's already done uh it gets yeah, I mean, it, it depends on what you want to extract from it and what the the approach you want to take. I kind of, I talk, you know, Spencer Hall is our editorial, you know, director, genius writer, mm-hmm. kind of like a <laughs> tour de force anytime he starts typing. Um, wrote about Tiger after, he, he wrote it before, you know, the WD, but kind of had been working on it a little bit. And we talked about it a lo- little bit about how, hilarious this kind of what he calls uh pensacola knights version of tiger woods is with the 
the line beard and the monster, you know, swilling, swigging. And, uh, you know, you can appreciate that. It's kind of funny, obviously. I, I, I get a kick out of it. Obviously, when he starts playing golf, it's not as fun. But, mm-hmm. you know, he is he does seem like a little less robotic, maybe. Um, there's still all that kind of BS you're going to get from Mark Steinberg about, you know, you don't even know what's going on with his health. And, you know, there's, uh, there's still the tigerisms. Like I got to wait for my back to calm down, like whatever that means. Right, um, right. so that's all there, but like he's tweeting Mac daddy Santa and he's <laughs> a 41 year old, you know, Florida man trying to figure out, you know, who he is and what his personality is after being kind of this robot robotic guarded protected you know supernova for so long um it's interesting it's it's interesting to follow you know maybe it's not as entertaining as watching him play golf but for me it's really interesting to see the person that he's trying to become that he's you know expressing outwardly to whether it's through tweets or you know, screwing around with the guys as he talks about now, right? <laughs> He's like, I gotta get back out there with the guys, man. This is a fraternity. He keeps saying that. Like, yeah. dude, you <laughs> didn't even want to look at anyone else for, you know, the first 15 years of your career. So I just I find it really interesting to follow him in that way as, as he tries to find really who he wants to be here in his 40s and whether that's sending humorous tweets or drinking monster energy or whatever it is. <laughs> it's just... uh I think that part of it's kind of interesting to follow along, and and Spencer hit on that in a lot better way than I could right now. But um, I, I think that's what I find interesting about him. You know, and I I think there was the uh, the a few tweets that had gone out about how you know comparing Tiger to that deadbeat dad that just kind of comes around every so often yeah. and says, you know, yeah. hey, I'm back, kids. Here's some presents, and then yeah, just kind of leaves. Yeah, Chris Solomon, no laying up, had something like that, right? He, yep. Yeah, comes around with a case of Monster, and you know. Smoking a pack of cools. Yeah. Uh, He is that guy now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, hopefully we'll see. I mean, maybe it'll come, you know, maybe it'll come in spurts. I I don't know. You know, it's just, it's can't rely on the game right now. Right. So Mm. just appreciate kind of the personality he's becoming, having him around. Um, We'll see what comes with this Genesis open press conference. I imagine not much. Um, I actually thought, He's supposed to. He's supposed to talk today. We're talking on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Um, today at like eleven, eleven Pacific. Um, kind of opposite that Sean Spicer press conference. Not getting political here at all. Right, but right, uh, right. you know, like if I was him, I would have just kept it <laughs> as like <laughs> concurrent and stay under the radar as Spicer kind of figures out how to handle all those Michael Flynn questions, you know? Yeah, so totally. I thought, I was like, why do you, why do you switch that to Wednesday? I'm sure it's unrelated to that, but obviously he's going to get a lot of questions about his back and, you know, it, it'll probably be not too informative as we've come to, you know, understand with Tiger, he's going to be out the next couple of weeks and he'll say it's back spasms that, I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing. Spasms keeping you out over a month, but we'll see. I agree with that, and it was funny when that news broke that uh, he pulled out of the Genesis as well as the Honda. I mean, I want a doctor that's going to be able to, you know, uh, give me a prognosis of how long a back spasm is going to last. I mean, that just doesn't make much sense to me, and I think what we've seen, and Brendan, you certainly know this too, I mean, whenever we hear anything from Camp Tiger, 
you know, the Tiger PR machine goes into overdrive and we only hear just enough what, you know, what they want us to hear. And sometimes it doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense, much like, all right, well, he's going to be out for two more weeks because of back spasms. Well, how could you possibly know that? You know, there's no way right. that you could know that. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm looking forward to that that press conference as well. That was uh, eerily moved or suspiciously moved to a, a day later. Uh, but, you know, what's interesting about all this, Brendan, and I'd love your take on this, is uh, while all of this is happening with Tiger, there's another great golfer that's just, you know, going through his own health ailments in, in different ways, certainly different injuries and different ailments uh, by far, but... Phil Mickelson seems to be doing quite all right, and this guy's five years older than Tiger at 46 years old and seems to be still playing the way that Phil Mickelson plays. Uh, what can we pull from that? Is it just simply a, a difference in how the two superstars uh, get back from injury, or, or what's your take on, on the differences between those two health-wise? Well, I think it's not so much get back from injury. It's the injuries they've had, right? Mm-hmm. Um Phil will tell you, and I think he said this on the Alan Shipmuck podcast recently, um, and he said it before. It's just like, I've had injuries, but they've not been violent. They've not been the violent kind of injuries. Kind of obvious call out, call back to Tigers, you know, Achilles, ACL, right. broken leg, and obviously the back is the most serious, um, is nerve pain. So I think it's just the, the kind of inju- injuries, and if you listen to, People who know the Swain more than I, and, and even Phil himself, will just say, you know, Phil has this kind of sweeping Swain, right? It's not as such a violent action, and it's it's just something he's had since he was a kid, right? Right. You know, middle school. Um, and that's kind of helped prevent some of those more serious and violent injuries that a lot of these young guys will have. And, and he said that, too. He, he expects kind of these young players to succeed at a high level, but for much, much shorter time spans, you know, the careers aren't going to go that long. And I think that's where kind of the difference comes in with Tiger. He's, he's a 41, but he's like a really old 41, right? You know, he has all these Achilles issues and, and the torn ACL and um, he had elbow there for a while. You know, the back is in the back. It can kind of just end it real, real fast. And we've seen that, uh, before with golfers and, and you know you think about how many times he's he's made that swing and that motion that's different than Phil's and, and more violent and you have kind of your answer there you know and um, I think Phil's offseason that that's not to take away from Phil's comeback here and his, mm-hmm. it's kind of startling to see him I think it was four weeks after his second hernia surgery right. maybe four I think it was four uh, that he was playing the Bob Hope and he was talking about how he had that hernia the whole year, like how his belly button would pop out and no one really noticed it. I was like just randomly kind of looking for photos for an article and I noticed it the other day, but um, this kind of bulge sticking out of it, you know, sticking through his shirt from oh, last wow. year. Yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't have noticed it, you know, had he not, after the fact, told us about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know, I think it's just the less, less violent injuries and, you know, still Phil just kind of can rely on on the, a game that is different than than Tigers and maybe ages better and swing that ages better and he's kind of figured out how to use that at some of these events where maybe age um, isn't as big a factor like Augusta where you know obviously <laughs> the stats bear out that you get a huge advantage from blasting it off the tee but there's also 
something there for to experience you know understanding those greens and having won there uh three times so and at the open right where we've seen tom watson almost win and right. no nine at almost 60 years old and phil continuing obviously to light up light up the open so i think he kind of understands knows his spots you know he can compete every week basically almost every venue um but I think he really knows when to turn it on and when he when he can kind of mitigate that age difference. And he just hasn't had to deal with all those those violent injuries. Do you see uh, Phil playing much longer on the PGA Tour? I mean, I, I don't necessarily see him as a senior tour guy. I, I could be completely wrong on that. I definitely don't see Tiger playing on the, uh, the PGA Champions Tour. But, you know, with Phil, I, I haven't quite put a finger, at least in my mind, on his timeline, like how much time we have left to watch this guy play golf? I think we have a lot of time. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, and I don't, I don't see him playing the champion store. I don't mean it in that way. And I don't see Tiger playing the champion store. I think you're right there. And I mean, no disrespect to the champion store. It seems like that is kind of not what it was. Right. You know, even Kenny Perry last year said we're like a, a sideshow or a circus act. I forget the term he used. It wasn't really flattering. Mm. Um, so I, I I just don't think that holds the allure that maybe it did for when Jack Nicholas would play. I you know I think those guys might play U.S. Senior Opens here and there, um, but that's about it. I just think Phil though has a lot of time left to just kind of rehash what we just went through. I, I think he wants to keep playing on the Ryder Cup teams. I think he wants to keep going after majors, going after Masters. Obviously, trying to win the Career Slam. Um, I think that's. You know, he's got these venues pegged, right? Upcoming upcoming U.S. Opens at Shinnecock and Pebble and places where he's come close and played well over the course of his career. I just think there's a lot motivating him. And like we just said, I, I don't think he's had those injuries that have crushed him. And he's got the game and the swing that, that enable him to succeed into his 50s. And I just, I think he wants to play in France on the Ryder Cup. He wants to play maybe playing Wisconsin, you know, in 2020. I just think there's a lot left there motivating him, and he's competing week to week. This isn't like Tiger going out there and chip-yipping it or just hitting it, bombing it right off the course every time and just struggling to play, make, play, you know, even par rounds. You know, Phil's still doing well, and the motivation's there that, that you know, he's not really down or depressed about anything, questioning why he's still out there. Um, so I, I just think there's – we're going to see him into his fifties. And I think contending into his fifties at, you know, a couple things a year. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I see that as well. And, you know, as long as this guy can, you know, <clears throat> stay under the, uh, stay away from the feds, I think he'll be okay. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest with that, but you know, and it's funny to go back to kind of tiger really quick. It, I, we can't really say the same for him. We don't really necessarily know what his timeline is, I don't think anyone ever knows what their timeline is when it comes to professional golf because people don't necessarily ever retire officially. It's just they kind of fade away. Um, you know, and with Tiger, it's just it's so up in the air at this point that not only is he going to ever win again, we, we don't necessarily know when he's going to be able to finish a tournament again. You know, and it's just crazy, don't you think, that we're, we're talking uh, this way about a guy that has just been so much to the game and meant so much to the game over the years. But, you know, and even me saying that and thinking more about it, it's almost like, well, 
maybe we are at that point. You know, we've, the, game, the game will will live on without him, and I think we've seen that in spades over the last two, three years, even longer. Yeah, I mean, as you're asking me about all this Tiger stuff, right, you know, we're coming off a Jordan Spieth win, and that preceded that was Hideki Matsuyama winning again and with a chance to go to number one in the world this week at Riviera, and two Justin Thomas wins, and John Rahm win, and Sergio winning in Dubai, like, no one on the tour in their thirties, you know, everyone in their twenties has won every event on tour so far. So, uh, yeah, the TV ratings aren't going to be what they are and the traffic's not going to be what it was or is when tiger still plays. Um, but I think there's plenty to chew on there and plenty to be fired up about, um, you know, certainly in this first quarter of the year. So I, I just, I think, people need to come to terms with that. You know, it's, it's just like such a facile thing to say, like, Oh, golf's on the downswing. And, you know, obviously I'm self-interested here. I, I want golf to do well, you know, at different levels at every level. Um, but it's just like a course correction. We're getting back to normal. Right. You know, right. The, there's just not tiger was an outlier. And so it's just facile to say like, Oh, the t- golf is dead without tiger. It's tanking. Um, I think it's just more like a, a course correction. We'll try try to figure out how to grow different things where we can, but we're not going to maintain those tiger levels, and we never were. It was just that was like a that was an outlier. Let's let's chill out, um, kind of work to promote and you know enjoy what we have, <laughs> um, and just come to terms that the, the tiger level, the tiger era was just a different thing, and, and it's not going to be replicated, and, and the numbers aren't going to be the same, and um, we need to accept that. To that point, the average age of winners on tour, at least in this new season, has been, I think, 24 years old. And so your your yeah. point is certainly well taken. And, and along, it's just insane. And, and I'm 34. I mean, I, that's 10 years younger than me. And I, I think you and I are around the same age. And it's just, it's nuts to think that these guys are, are doing as much as they can uh, at such a young age. And it does speak to the 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 level of, of talent that is inherent throughout the world rankings list. And you named a few of the big names already. Um, you know, and Brendan, along with the youth, and I hate to use this term or this cliche phrase, the youth movement, but it really is. And along with that comes a different way to kind of cover the game. And, you know, I will, I'm interested on in your thoughts on, you know, you guys do a lot of different things over at SB Nation. We try to do a few things differently over at Golf Unfiltered. Uh, and we see many different examples throughout different websites and publications. Hell, even Golf.com and, and, and Golf Digest, they, they go through different uh, looks and different themes on their websites, just a way to cover the game differently. And even more than that, the, the people themselves, the player them, players themselves are kind of advertising themselves on social. Has the, the way that golf is covered now, uh, how much does that differ from even when you started covering it? And do you feel that we're going to see even more changes throughout the short term and even maybe within the next year or two? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think it's changed a lot uh, just since I've done it you know our i just do digital right you know so i think digital is often confused for just being another channel for print work Mm -hmm. um and our ceo and i agree with them often says you know digital is as different from print as print is from tv there's just 
it doesn't mean text, right? It doesn't necessarily mean text. Like maybe the coverage is a vine or maybe it's a podcast or maybe it's a, you know, 30 second video. Um, so I think that's kind of evolved. Golf's been way behind NBA and, um, you know, football, college football and other sports, but I think it's starting to get there right. Um, on digital. And, and I think you see that a lot more with the leagues and the tour certainly is embracing digital and being pretty aggressive about things and started sharing all their highlights on, on Twitter and, and videos that are embeddable and, you know, everything's pretty instantly. They started being less kind of less uptight about, you know, maybe showing a bad shot by their players or, or getting the highlights out there, understanding that a lot of people are consuming it via digital or, you know, digital in conjunction with watching it on TV. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's evolved and it's evolving more and more. It's still behind probably the other sports. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think, I think, it's always changing and that's the one thing is like it changes much faster on digital what works and doesn't work changes really fast um i think you like need to have your your fundamentals there you need to be able to write some quality stuff and and put features together and but you also need to understand how how you're going to get in front of the biggest audience and, and so you need like some fundamentals and but you need to be able to pivot really fast Absolutely. And I think one of the best things that we've seen, um, well, we all kind of talk about, you know, golf Twitter and, and, you know, one of the best things that I enjoy doing um, when I don't have the chance to go to a tournament is just watching the tournament on TV and having Twitter up and, you know, just chatting with a bunch of folks watching the same thing. You know, it's just, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, You know, the guys over at No Laying Up do a great job. You referenced them earlier and there are many others yourself as well. Um, And, you know, it's kind of funny, Brendan, over the years and even over certainly the the most recent months, how a lot of these players are just taking part and becoming part of that that show, so to speak. You know, the fourth wall has been broken down a little bit where fans and writers alike can interact with one another. And now players are getting involved in this as well. You know, I just feel that it's it's just a better way to enjoy the game and consume the game to many of the points that you rose. I mean, if we look at PGA Tour Live even, I mean, God, I can sit at my desk at work and have my smartphone out and watch, you know, Sergio yeah. Garcia make bogeys. I mean, that's that's amazing to me. But right. it's it's just it's so much fun and, and it's just a different way to uh, to consume the game. Uh, do you think that, you know, with all of these different ways and mediums and, and ways that we can incorporate even digitally uh, how we cover the game that, uh, you know, do you feel that this, this interactivity with players is, is a positive thing? And if so, is there a limit to how much we should interact with them? Because we've definitely, and we could probably think of some examples of when that might have gone sour in some instances. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't. It can't not be a good thing. I mean, it's it's awesome. It's great, right? You've seen kind of, and I think we talked about the average age is twenty four or whatever. They're a lot younger than me, a lot longer younger than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, like these guys have come up in high school, being on Instagram and being on Twitter, and like these are the consumers now, and all of a sudden they become celebrities or famous or you know super wealthy. Um, but they're still, they kind of came up being on social media. Um, I think it's awesome. I don't, I, you see kind of Rory going on, uh, Chris's podcast over there. right. I mean, this is amazing. This is, this, 
this is getting this access is, is kind of incredible. And in a way like these guys came up, not, not necessarily Rory, but some of the, even the younger guys come up following Twitter and finding, you know, interesting golf stuff, um, on social media, you know, maybe that's developing those relationships that way where, you know, it's a different, maybe that it was with the TV guy or print newspaper guy in the past, you know, 30 years ago. So, I just, I don't think like the access could ever be, it's, it's really cool how they're embracing it. And I think some of the top players in the world are really setting the trend in that way, right? It's a very, very different approach to, um, than what Tiger might do, right? Where right. he's kind of walled off and understandably kind of know why he needs to be. But, uh, some of the best in the world and the richest and most famous players are really kind of embracing, um, you know, access uh and openness um and i think that's <laughs> that's an awesome wonderful thing because you know you start to understand these people better and it helps how you write write about them or cover them and kind of gives you more appreciation next time maybe they fuck up or maybe they play well whatever it is that they do yeah. you know i think you have that kind of that library of knowledge thanks to their access and, and you appreciate it more and I think they appreciate us more as well, you know, and mm. it's it's just that that ability to become involved in the way you're covered and and to have a say, so to speak. Not that they didn't have a say in the past, um, but certainly more so now on how they are portrayed in in digital media, which I, I think is great. I, I think that, um, you know, stuff that we see on, on you know, Snapchat or or, you know, SBK or SB2K16 or what is 16 or 17 that's going to come up here. I'm, I'm excited about seeing as well. I'll be honest with you. Uh, yeah. You know, that type of stuff, it just adds another layer to the way that we can learn more about these guys. And hopefully in the post-Tiger era, you know, understand a little bit more about where the game's going to go. And I think, honestly, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about just other areas within the golf industry that we're beginning to kind of see this, you know. Um, not to go down the equipment route, but we begin to see more uh, fun stuff. I'm using air quotes over here from equipment companies as well, because they've got these guys like Ricky Fowler. They've got Bryson DeChambeau who just are so different in so many ways. And they're kind of embracing the differences among these young players uh, in the way that they sell their products for crying out loud. And it's just, it's so fun to kind of see the, the trickle down effect. And yes, I mean, there are going to be those times when, as you put it, you know, when somebody fucks up and they, you know, they're, they're put out for the entire world to see. I think that there's still some value in just having this, this open dialogue with people, even if on a social platform. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I think <laughs> besides their agents, maybe that, that SB 2k 16 or whatever it was, whatever, I forget the term, uh, I think everyone appreciated that. That made them more popular, more likable, more enjoyable. It was like a bachelor party weekend almost, you know, <laughs> not probably they didn't give us all access there, but right. uh, I, don't, I don't think it was that extreme, but you know, this was like, this was a cool thing. This was, a, we appreciated it. We enjoyed it. Some people appreciated it too much and contented the hell out of it and <laughs> made way too much, but it was, it was a good thing. Right. And, and, you know, we don't need to be so uptight. I think, I think sometimes we conflate, um, the word we just like throw the word out millennial 
like really haphazardly is just it's kind of an empty term. Yeah. Um, and we conflate millennial with just digital, right? Digital coverage of golf, digital coverage of the tour, what we do, like can be really serious stuff, right? It doesn't need to be just bullshit, you know, five second, you know, things that can't hold your attention. You know, it mm. just, it doesn't all have to be kind of a name. St- I think there's, there's this negative stigma from a lot of people, except for advertisers with, uh, the word millennial. I, I think like digital is just a different way from print or a different way from TV to cover the game. And maybe some of that is what you would characterize as millennial or, or more kind of goofy and lighthearted. But, um, I, I just think it, it's a pretty serious approach to coverage. Um, that's maybe just, and maybe the audience is mostly millennial, but I don't think there's like a millennial way to cover golf. Right. I don't think that right. means you need to be, be, <laughs> be inane all the time and, and do goofy stuff and, and care only about, you know, the animals waddling on the fairway. Like, <laughs> I enjoy that stuff. I don't mind watching it. I think it's funny, but that doesn't mean you can also write like a, a pretty, you know, serious feature about something too, or someone. Um, so I, I think like we too often conflate, like this is what the millennials want um, with just digital coverage is they're not like one and the same. I, I think just because, digital is reaching a lot of millennials it doesn't mean that you're just kind of that that's how you cover the game you know it's interesting you say that i've i've spoken to and had uh, a few of the the more traditional journalists um on this show in the past steve elling um robert lucetich a few others and even robert has gone kind of you know over to the digital side mainly out of necessity you know you kind of have to do that uh we've had kyle porter on the show as well and and he's <laughs> definitely does a great job over at, at CBS, you know, and it's just, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, in the past, you know, you, you mentioned attention spans, which I agree. You don't want to have that, that mentality of, well, millennials have these short attention spans. And so we can only write, you know, 500 words and hope that they read it. Uh, but in the same token, you kind of lose a little bit, at least in my view of the long form uh, writing, the art of it. Um, and I know that you guys over at SB Nation have, have done a lot of great long-form uh, articles in the past. You know, Brett, do, do you feel, though, that, that that art form or at least that, that form of, of writing, sports writing, is, is dying or is it already dead? Or do you feel that there's still a place for it? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I, I think there's less of a place for it, but I, don't, I, think, you, I think you need it. I think it's vital. Um, I wish I could do more of it. I have... Lots of ideas and thoughts on how to execute more of it. It's just sometimes <clears throat> the demand to keep the trains running um, precludes you from doing that. But I, I think it's vital, and I think it's you see Alan Shipnuck trying to do that. I think now at SI who comes from more of that print background and, and writes pretty brilliant long form stories or longer stories. Uh, understanding that he, he can still do that, but he needs to mix in, you know blogs and video and other things like that mm. um so <clears throat> i i don't think it's dying I, I think it's necessary and it's valuable and i think you need some of that stuff with the fluff and <clears throat> i think that there's a balance and that's kind of you need to have a well-balanced diet on on, on digital with a little bit of everything and uh, ideally you could that 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 plays a part whether it's you're doing one long story a quarter one a year Whatever it is, I think that, you know, you should strive to 
have that in your arsenal. Maybe you're not a strong writer and that's just not what you're going to do. Um, and that's fine too. stick to your strengths, whether that's whatever, hosting a podcast or being a social media manager, whatever it is. But I think to have kind of a well-balanced approach, um, you need that there. You need that kind of maybe it's not going to get the biggest numbers, but I think it's a part of, of, of a brand that, that you need to have. Absolutely. And I, I totally think that at some point, you know, that we're going to see kind of this rebirth of, of the long form art. I keep referring to it as an art form because I really do believe that it is. Um, and I, I do agree that there's a place for it. Um, I mean, that's it, why I got into this is yeah. like, I was reading like, you know, I, I just read, I print out, you know, 5,000, 10,000, sometimes 25,000 word articles. Some of them were from like the sixties. Mm-hmm. This is how I got into sports writing and they weren't all sports stories. Some were in GQ, some were in whatever Harper's Esquire. Like that's how I got into this is just reading the long form writing. Now, you know, maybe that's not, that's not the kind of, that's not the bulk of what digital is, but you know, I, I think a lot of people are going to make sure that, that, that lives on. And I think it's important to keep that kind of storytelling alive. You know, some of the stories might come in six second, <coughs> you know, six second snaps, but you know, I think there's still going to be a demand for that kind of 10,000 word storytelling. If, if you can write it well and do it well, and there's a lot of people out there that still can, and you know, you accompany it with a video or, or kind of a sexy design on digital. I think there's plenty of room for that. In, in a lot of ways, you know, I, I, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily print out the articles, but I yeah. would definitely, you know, read through them. And in a lot of ways, you know, those articles kind of told the story of the tournament. Uh, and, you know, that just really opened the door and opened the eyes to many people as to, okay, well, I couldn't go to the tournament, but through these writers' eyes and through his, his or her words, I can actually see, you know, what occurred in this tournament without even being there. And so I, I agree with you completely. I think it's something that will live on. I think it's something that uh, is needed and necessary uh, to even just tell the stories uh, in a game that is, is just ripe with numerous stories, such as the game of golf. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, love to do that and hope to get back to it. You know, I used to do a couple of, you know, not necessarily in golf, but in the NFL and other subjects, you know, some of my best, you know, some of the stuff I'm most proud of is, is, you know, 5,000 words or, or longer and took a couple of weeks or months of kind of reporting or talking to people and, and figuring out there's no kind of time crunch. I think, unfortunately you get caught up working in digital, like just getting stuff up. Right. And there's right. like, you know, you need to get stuff up on the page and, well, now it's now it's master's work week or now it's WGC week and we got to do this and that. So, I mean, a lot of it's finding the resources and time to do that. Um, but I think it's vital to have, uh, even if it's not, <laughs> even if I can't do it, I, I think it's going to live on and, and uh, I'll still be a big consumer of it. Absolutely. And thanks for going down that road with me. Uh, <laughs> we kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent. There, not a problem. Definitely uh, enjoy talking about that side of, of writing and everything. But you sure. know, sp- speaking of telling the stories of tournaments, we, I mean, we do have a tournament coming up this week. And it's one that, you know, the biggest story, at least heading in, is the name that won't be there, which, you know, is obviously unfortunate and unfair to the, the huge names that are in the tournament, you know. Uh, and, you know, just not to put you on the spot too much, but you you know the names that are going to be at the Genesis Open. You know, it's obviously a uh, fan uh, favorite golf course in Riviera. 
Who, right. you know, would you pick just off the top of your head here, knowing who's going in as the favorite for for this week? I think it's DJ. You know, it's got to be. This is a bomber's course. Um, it's like an old school classic design, so maybe you know you might get the impression that you know bomber. You know, there, there's the ability to hit the ball 350 yards might be mitigated, but this is generally a bomb and gouge course. I think the stats bear that out. DJ's always there. So is Bubba. Um, I just, <clears throat> I think uh, he wants to win this one bad. And I, I think he's been close. Wants to add Riviera to, it's kind of a, LA is, is very, Southern California is a very DJ kind of vibe to it. Um, and this course sets up beautifully for him. Uh, I think he has to be the favorite or should be the favorite. He's been close. I think he wants this one badly. He wants to win. Wants a Riviera title under his belt. So I, I really like Dustin, and it's hard to pick against him this week. Even it's a loaded field, right? You know, you have Spieth, Thomas, Bubba, DJ, Rose, Mickelson, Hideki, Sergio's making his debut, and this is without Tiger and Rory. You know, Rory's going to play too. So it's it's kind of crazy the depth that this has, and I think it deserves, right? I think this mm-hmm. is like the best. <clears throat> annual tournament on the on the annual schedule one of those you know that are on the regular rota um it's just so so awesome the la riviera is great i wish it kind of had um you know your past football I, I think this is such a cool event i definitely plan to get to it and want to i, I wanted to this year family stuff got in the way but um i think it's 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 one of the best events we have on tour and it might get buried a little bit because it's so early in this season, but um, everyone loves Riviera and, and I think DJ's a guy. Yeah, it was funny. I went on uh, PGA tour.com just to kind of see what their staff picks were. And I think like five out of the seven or something of that nature, I'll pick DJ. And the oh, other, damn. <laughs> and the I, wasn't, I, I haven't looked at anything. I swear. It <laughs> no, it's like, fine. I didn't know you were going to ask me for a pick. And That's I, all right. Like, yeah, go for it. I don't want to be, I hate going shock, you know. Every now and then you need to liven it up, but yeah, I think it's it's kind of hard to think of another another guy you want to win. That's that's the safe pick. Oh, totally. And I, the other, the only other pick that was on the the site was Adam Scott. So I mean, it right, was, right, they, right. They've whittled it down to two people. So hey, <laughs> hey, man, I really appreciate you being on, and I won't keep you uh, any longer. I know you're busy. Uh, where can our listeners find you on social, and uh, where can they find your work? Oh, just at uh, SBNation.com, firing off inane takes at Brennan Porath on Twitter. Um, that's primarily where where I live and where I'm talking about the tour. Awesome, Brendan. Well, yeah, thanks again for coming on. I know we've been uh, long overdue to make this happen, and hopefully we can do it again in the future. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt.